Welcome to the Reading Aloud podcast, a place where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication are explored in real time by a real couple. That's us and a baby. <laughs> Enjoy. I'm looking at this bottle of lime, mint, elderflower, sparkling mineral water. Does that even sound good? It just sounds like... Overcomplicated. Yeah, like, you know, classic American, like, (laughs) hyper-individualization of marketing and anything you could possibly want under the sun. It says product of Italy. Sure. It also says Whole Foods. (laughs) How are Uh, those? Do you know about my... um, uh, story from Italy about the water. Mm-mm. So I was in during my Italy trip. This is back in 2007. I was in Milan and uh, went into this uber fancy mall. And they're not like American malls. I don't like, even think I knew you were in Milan. I know this whole. I feel like I know this whole trip up and down, and I don't know. Yeah, that Milan, you were in Milan was one of the last places we went to and stayed with like a friend of people that we'd met along the way. Didn't you have a stint in Venice too? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yep. Okay, I did not know about so, Milan. So I'm super jelly. Yeah. Yeah, I actually really liked Milan. It was really cool. The like cathedral in Milan was I think one of the most beautiful. Like the square around it was awesome. But actually and actually right near the cathedral there are these like they they don't look like malls. They just look like old buildings, but you go inside and there are these kind of like tiered, you know, shopping centers basically. And there's all this fancy stuff and was in one of these fancy stores and they had water they had like fancy bottled water and i found one top shelf it was in this very you had some top shelf water top shelf it was in this very ornate bottle probably not that much bigger than that lime mint elderflower natural flavored water from whole foods it was in this big ornate bottle with like gold whatever on it and i don't know if it's real gold but it was like you know all flashy and it was literally 500 euros <laughs> for this bottle well, of water. it was real gold or gold plated. Probably 500 euros. I pulled it down off the shelf. Oh, you touched it. Oh, yeah. Pulled it down off. I mean, it was just there. It wasn't like locked away. I and mean, then and you shattered it on the floor? No. Pulled it down off the shelf, turned around. Because you know no. I have a thing about bottled water. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. it said? Bottled from natural springs in eastern Tennessee. No! <laughs> Probably like two hours from here. I, you know, so literally somebody had, you know, gone to one of these springs that we hike by on a yearly basis, you know, these na- natural mountain springs, bottled it up, put it in barrels or something, shipped it over to Italy, put it in these ornate things, and was selling it for 500 euros a bottle. That is amazing. And to your point about this being the most resource rich area in the world and a great place to be right at the point of an apocalypse (laughs) there you go i'm glad that you're buying into my theories do hold on 500 euros uh, i know so do you do so just out of curiosity we're in the wrong business by the way (laughs) which ethically i don't believe in that business but (laughs) right um this but i am well then you shouldn't believe in buying land either which i think about a lot but but when when you or like the idea of you know before we had kids we used to do podcasts like that what like those real like kind of political you know we do political podcasts listen Listen, we did my body's 
my body's my choices. That's true. Um, okay, so the question that I have for you is, and this is a this is one of those ones where I go out on a limb because I feel like I might seem dumb, is that do they filter it when they take it from the spring? They have to, right? Because there's like sediment and stuff in it. I bet they, um, I bet they, well, I don't know. There's, okay, you. I could get off on a tangent. The two quick things I would say is one of the problems is there's actual probably very little oversight over that. Um, so they wouldn't do anything. My guess is they wouldn't do anything uber expensive. My s- sense is they probably test it. They probably test the water for a certain number of um you know, like any sort of bad stuff in it. Like fish poopy. Yeah, like, yeah, like traces of gonorrhea or something like that. That could be... I don't know. think it's gonorrhea. Uh, not gonorrhea. Um, giardia. <laughs> you have to leave that in. Giardia. You, <laughs> go on, pronounce it real good. Giardia. <laughs> also traces of gonorrhea. <laughs> Potentially. Potentially. So anyway, I bet they would test it, but that's it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so good. All right. So we got a little bit to cover. We are going to answer some questions that were presented to us about how to know if you should have kids with your partner. And I, so it's called the 12 questions to ask your partner if you want to have kids together. The first question is, why do you want to have them? First off, I would say that I really want to have the family dynamic. Like, I think families are amazing. Family unit. Family is a core of community within human civilization, right? Mm -hmm. And to participate within that, and it's not the only form of community, of course. I'm not, you know, narrowing it, but it is a very, very integral, probably, anyway, blah, 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 blah. It's a personal, like, life goal of mine to have, like, that family dynamic and unit and be able to celebrate that and exist within that. I think it sounds fun to raise kids with you. I will say that it is more fun now that we have a kid to envision a fun, you know, chaotic life of family together. Now that's with some expectations as to how it would look. Okay. Question number two, what do you expect it will be like to be a parent? I'll go first. I thought it was going to be everything it isn't. Now it's getting fun, though, because he's funny. He's funny, and we're entertaining each other, and we're relating, and that's what I was expecting it to be like as a parent. Yeah, I I think that for me, I, you know, because we talked about this a little bit, and I'll be brief here, but we talked about this a little bit in, in terms of when we were getting ready to have a kid and how everybody, you know, there was a little bit of pushback from me on this, on the narrative of it's so hard, you're not gonna, like, you're not gonna whatever like you're gonna it's it's just really get ready really, for yeah, it get ready for it whatever and I, I think there was a, a at that time there was a recognition that it was going to be hard but I was also not wanting that to quell my excitement I think after having a kid what I was right about in terms of what I thought it would be is an incredible learning experience and in you know any learning experience is both very difficult you have to work you have to study you have to struggle to to learn things and it's incredibly rewarding when you do learn and it's it is the ultimate learning experience you're not only learning about the world you're learning the world through new eyes you're learning about yourself you're learning about this new human that's going to be a part of your life probably uh for the rest of your life you know hopefully for the rest of your life and so that's yeah i don't I haven't enjoyed all those learning lessons and I don't think because it moves so fast I don't think I've been able to like 
have the retrospective yet. I will say it is, I am so into how ridiculous and funny a child's brain is and the things that they think of. Do you think that we would be good co-parents and what do you think our challenges will be? I think so far we have been decent decent co-parents <laughs> or good co-parents with room to grow. That's mm-hmm. how I would put it. I don't think we've been bad. I don't think, you know, I think we've been better, but I think we have lots of room to grow, which is somewhat expected. What is the growth? The growth is improving our dynamics and communications at all different aspects of the family unit. So like our growth as co-parents is actually communication between ourselves rather than necessarily communication with Neo. Um, uh, I think we do a really good job at communicating to Neo like together, you know, and being on the same page with kind of how we want to raise him and things, you know, where we want to kind of like direct him and our boundaries with him. I think we do a really good job of that. I, you know, and I think we do a really good job individually with him, but then between us, like, I think there's room for growth with that in terms of being able to communicate and coordinate around raising Neo. Like the life that exists around all of that. Yeah. And and then our relationship within that. That's a great, that's a great point. Different take than I was expecting. I kind of like answering these questions at the beginning of his life. I mean, we're still in the first two years. I think that we are, like you said, we're doing decent. I actually think we're probably doing just as good as anybody else. I think that these are really like common learning curves for everyone and potentially things that forever are learning curves. And I think that our biggest challenge is we are two distinctly different people and I want him to be exposed to both those things. And I realize that I have really strong opinions about how we talk to children. And I find myself occasionally do it, you know, correcting you to try to do some, something more my way, which is like, when I, when, when he, when it's time to go, don't just pick him up, say the words like, okay, it's time to go. I'm going to pick you up now, you know, just so that he feels like he has choice. Cause he's, you know, it, the, the, ultimately you're going to pick him up, but that he has choice in the matter. And yeah. sometimes you're really focused and you just go for it, which is great, but it usually causes a little bit of a pushback from him that I don't always get. That's good. Okay, number four, what should our kids' relationship be with technology? Okay. I mean, classify technology in this day and age. It's everywhere, you know, to radio cars, to everything. Um, I will say I feel very middle of the road in pretty much all of the things. And I feel like at a at this age, we there's no free time because of the way that you have to constantly course correct and be with and save the child's life from themselves that I really, I I have a friend who doesn't do hardly any screen time. And she was like, Oh, from birth to two years, we did a ton because I just needed a break. So I thought that was really permission giving to hear because I don't think I'm going to be like her, you know, continuing on. Um, But I do notice that when Neo watches TV, like I have a friend whose kid doesn't care about television at the same age. And when he watches TV, he gets sucked in. And I wonder, you know, I'm like, "Mm," you know, I don't want this to be a battle, but I also want to utilize it for learning tools and just for freaking breaks. And I feel very in the middle of the road. And I feel like Neo is, he, he needs it. 
Yeah, it's it's about creating healthy habits with uh, TV and, and screen times. Like there's there's clear boundaries, and I think that you're right in that during this age and during this time, those boundaries are a little wider, and it'll be on us to, as he grows to kind of you know limit those boundaries and set them a little tighter. What did you ever really have a TV? We um, we had a TV. We had, um, but it was kind of tucked away was rarely on and the little one always a a little one it wasn't that yeah but a little y'all would not believe the size of their tv and it was uh i think it's like it's like a tube it's like maybe 14 inches like just a little over a foot long or like wide um but we we had rabbit ears so we had abc nbc cbs that was it yeah Mm -hmm. All right, next question. What sacrifices regarding where you live, money, job, hobbies, or interests are you willing to make for your kids? Um, That's a great question. Mm-hmm. I'll go through them very briefly. First off, hobbies and interests. I think what I have discovered with Neo is the importance of prioritizing and narrowing. You know, I can't have as many hobbies and interests, and even I'll add in there like friendships that I had when I did not have kids. There's just much less time and my priorities are different. And so my hobbies have to be focused and narrowed on things that I are really bring me joy and, you know, really enhance my life. I can't pick up necessarily a bunch of new hobbies right now. Now's not the time for that. In in money, I think um it's interesting because the priority around money is like changed in a way of like there's a there's a there's an urge to make more in terms of providing the life that I want to provide for my children. And so that just relates to job in a way. And, you know, thinking more about making money, but the way that I think about making either more money or having a different job is related to providing for my family and specifically the kids rather than providing experiences or a lifestyle for myself. What about job? No, that's it. I kind of combine the other two. Okay. So I will say as far as hobbies and stuff, none of mine have changed. Um, maybe I have more, I have limited time with them, but none of mine have changed. I do think about the things that I do sometimes a little short, shorter, because I want to be back to hang out with y'all and to take responsibility as a parent. And also, I think that it's important that Neo see me doing the things that I love. I also know that he has very different interests than me. We are playing with trucks. I don't know how to play with the truck, but I take the truck around the room and do the things. And we cook together, but I don't really You're care a great about... truck driver, by the way. <laughs> And so, you know, that in interests, I will take interest in what he has interest mm-hmm. in. And I feel like I'm going to end up just like everybody I know doing things like my friend, <laughs> my friend sat for four hours as her kid um, in Taekwondo was belted, but they had, they had a community agreement that you had to sit through everybody's belting ceremony. So it was a four hour Saturday afternoon and it was a tough sacrifice. I, I think that's going to be interesting on us when either our one or two kids. I'm, I'm a multitasker, get, babe. I'm like, you stay right there. I'll be right back. I'm going to get three things done. Uh-huh. 
And then they're going to look up when they accomplish their goal and where's mom? No, 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 no. They'll know that I'm gone. They'll know. <laughs> They'll know that you're gone. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Meaning I'm not going to, sh- I'm not going to disappear. I'm really communicating. Well, not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll communicate that you're not going to be there to watch them accomplish their goal. We'll talk more about this later. The jo- I'm just saying, like, I think it's 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 going to be a big change for us when we have like kids in middle and high school who, you know, weekends get taken up. I don't know activities. if this is a sexist thing or not, but I don't feel like I need to do any. I haven't felt that push because we have grown into our new budget and just made it work and shifted things around. I don't feel like that panic around money, but I look forward and think, oh, if we had another kid, will I feel the panic around money? But in the same way that I hear my friends saying, like, things just continue to get shifted around and you make sacrifices that, you know, I figure, you know, hopefully we'll be able to figure something out but I haven't felt the need to like my business is growing so I haven't felt the need to get like a a job that has some security and again I don't know if that's sexist and or unfair because you're providing the health insurance and the stability but yeah I'm definitely willing to put money in different places for sure yeah yeah less on me more on what what number are we on six what forms of discipline do you want to use I'll say yeah, natural natural consequences. Uh-huh. Choices. Like do you want five minutes of timeout or ten? Uh-huh. Um Do you think that works as as he will get older? I I have no allusion. I was carrying him through a parking lot the other day and he was writhing to get out of my arms, but I was able to say to him, like, when we're in when we're around moving cars, we hold mom mama's hand or mama holds you. But like he's almost stronger than me. Like I I'm going to be manhandling this kid. The discipline will just, I mean, I think I'm just going to come on down with it. You've always said you think you're going to be harder on him than me, but like that's, there's no way. Uh huh. I don't know. <laughs> Mama, Mama ain't got no tolerance. For yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what kind of like form of discipline. We need to, we need to take that course that we've been meaning to take. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. You know, it's funny this, this morning, Neo woke up super early and I had him down on the couch with me like very early in the morning and he was just like <clears throat> bouncing around and crawling over my head and he started to like bite my cheek and man, his bites really hurt and he doesn't do it that often but he does it like when he's all amped up and anyway he started to and I was like I could feel the like tension and kind of anger like swell up in me I was like Neil no you know I kind of I'll say this I think the form of discipline will be also an exercise in learning how to handle my own emotions Mm -hmm. around him screwing up mm-hmm. and the, the 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 better and the more tooled I am to be able to do that I think my forms of discipline will be more effective and healthier mm-hmm. yeah I think there's a little bit of like chaos management when you get into having two kids or a situation that's like super dangerous like a part or not super but like a situation that's more dangerous like a parking lot I think that we're going to do our best and it would be nice it's not that I want to get it right it's that I want to know my options because I know I'm not going to get it right all the time I'm human Um, but I'd like to know my options because I think that it is nice with the course that we're going to take just to hear what other people say and you know it's I've been told a 
lot like when a kid bites or hits you, if you just ignore it and move on to something else, they just think, oh, that's a nothing thing. It doesn't get any reaction. And so it's just a, it's just, it's not something that they will often return to. Yeah. Yeah. Number seven, what counts as spoiling kids? The thing that I just saw recently is that there is no way of spoiling them um, when they're babies and little kids that the the data is that their attachment is stronger when they get lots of attention. Now, I have this really strong need for Neo. I'm like, I really want him to have a sibling because I feel like he's just, he's he's such a big personality that I just think the container will be with another kid in the house to share that expression with, I think that there would be more of a container for that. Like he gets to bring some of that back to himself and learn to hold it as opposed to it just overflowing. Yeah. Different than when I was a kid as an only child, like as a kid, I was, I was big, but I had like my own natural container for it. Yeah. 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 I, I, I appreciate hearing that. I think for me, I think about this, little more meta, a little bigger picture. Like I think we as a society are getting better at understanding how to raise and learn and teach in a way that is more balanced. So if you, you know, not that far back, but uh, if you say, look at like a baby boomer generation, I think the prevailing theme was like this, you know, kind of like toughness, Rogue go at it. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, whatever. And then, and then, you know, the common narrative, and this isn't true across the board, but like the common narrative with millennials is like, it's the participation trophy generation. Like we were very coddled because of various factors. And I, and I really think with these, with these next generations, it's people are figuring out that nice balance between yeah, like empowering in, them. Exactly. And also, you know, acknowledging their feelings and, and le- teaching you know, kids and and children yeah. how to express themselves yeah. without feeling the need for just being tough, right? Or like how to help them have their own resourcing. Exactly. So it's That's like it. you yeah. know, it's like it is. Hopefully, it does have the impact, the intended impact of the what the boomers were trying to do of like creating a healthy sense of independence that then leans into interdependence because the boomer generation was like bootstraps like you're on your own in this world make it make it or don't but with this the way that I think even well the yeah the generation before our kids so I don't know how we're gonna do it or how our kids but the is our kid a gen z no okay I, he'll be a different one but oh, they haven't right. labeled it yet. okay yeah. but that the gen zers are are hopefully getting because i find them to be really strong fierce advocates for things i feel like they're really like it's very a real con- activist generation yeah for sure. highly conscientious really thoughtful um mindful you know where whereas there was a little bit of like a failure to thrive in some in in like millennials are making it because you know people are like oh the millennials but we're like 40 y'all we're 40 year olds we have families we're not anything anymore we're just hard working (laughs) and you know doing our best at life but I don't think the I don't think the generation that's the Gen Zers are snowflakes I think they're really tough but they have can they have like self-awareness and they don't feel alone in the world yeah I'm making assumptions. I'm not a Gen Z. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not, but that's that's our perception. Like they're strong, they're confident. It's yep. good. It's really good. What are the most important values and core beliefs that you want to model for your kids? Fierce independence and bootstraps. <laughs> you know, words that immediately come to mind are 
love, empathy, honesty, and impact. You know, like you make a difference. You are valuable. You are worthy. Love, be loved, love others, be empathetic to people's experience and people's background, and be honest with yourself and others. I love the saying, you are enough, you have enough, you do enough. Mm, it's wonderful. And I would, I would include also self-compassion. Mm, mm-hmm. And then loving kindness, which is from loving kindness towards self out to the whole world. So peacefulness um, or a sense of like love for all humans, animals, beings, everything that the world love for the land, like definitely like a loving kindness at a universal level, but down to, you know, the, the, the land that breathes beneath our feet. It's beautiful. Next. Oh, before you do that one, can I say one other value? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I don't know how to des- describe this specifically, but it's something around understanding how to like have an appreciation for the complexity of issues. You know, in that things aren't black and white and there's and maybe this goes with empathy, but it's like, you know, somebody who just doesn't see things, they know how they see the world and they know that others see the world very differently. Like, I feel like somebody, especially in today's kind of global society where we have so many different perspectives, so many different angles and issues are increasingly complex in nature, like the ability to understand the complexity of issues in the world or the complexity of decisions um, in today's society is a skill and a value that I I would really hope that our children understand. Yeah. And that's like into the mystery and unknown, like having faith in the mystery and the unknown and just being as open as humanly possible. Okay. So um, describe what you would like a normal Sunday to look like with the kids. Why do you think this is one of 12 questions? This has got to be like a I Christian think it's, based thing. It's just thing. like, I think it's, again, it's based off of a values-based well, question. Well, it's not like a Christian-based thing. It's a Sabbath thing. It's a Sabbath thing. It's a, And it's a values question. It's like, where, what is your ideal day, which describes kind of in action what your values as a family no, but are. It's, but it's also Sunday, which is like, you know, in Christian tradition, it's the Lord's Day. And then there's Saturday, which is the Sabbath from Friday sundown to Saturday. Was it called the Sabbath in Jewish? Yeah. Yeah. The Sabbath day. You have Shabbat. Yeah. Got it. So it's, you know, it's like one day that has traditionally been known as a rest day. Exactly. And I always say in my work, like I, I work six days a week, I'll respond, but Sundays I take with my family. And so Saturdays end up being loose. But so you know, in my family, we just rarely did anything. We went to church and sometimes we went out to lunch afterwards, but like those were the days we laid in the backyard in the sunshine, the days we did. I mean, it wasn't even the day to do yard work typically or anything like that. Sometimes we'd clean the house, but it was a very slow, relaxing day. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think you said it, and I think we're aligned on this because we have continued on somewhat of a, you know, that tradition, which is quality time, the good old QT, and done in a way that is relaxing and easeful. You know, we typically just take it slower on Sundays. Yeah, we don't make many plans. And typically when people ask, I'm like, yeah, we just try not to make plans, especially if it's not something I'm like really, really interested in doing. I, I like to remember, like, I don't have to push it. 10, what would you want to do differently than your parents? 
I think for me, I would just, and I, I've talked about this on the podcast, but I really want to be interested in whatever Neo is interested in. Um, you know, I had an experience growing up where if I was doing things that my parents were interested in, they would be all in and like fully support. But if I did anything and not just like things that were unhealthy or unsafe, of course not that, but like even things that were just normal kids stuff. But if I was doing stuff that my parents didn't know anything about or underappreciated or just didn't know, they would just, it was like benign to me. And there wasn't any like super interest in, but like if Neo, for example, like if Neo likes some certain music that I just don't get or don't like, like I want to be a parent who strives to learn and get that music and, and enjoy it with him. Cause that experience, like I, the experience of being able to share what brings you joy for me is just so critical and beneficial and I don't feel like I had that full experience. And so I would do that differently. I remember so much just like your parents are so important. Like you can share stuff with your friends as you get older, but like at the joy of sharing with your parents, what you do, it's like, they're the person you want to tell about it. It's like, they're your people. Right. I would, what would I do differently? My hope is that as they age, I allow them to, to, fly. You know, I don't, I think the grief will come of losing that close connection with them when they're, when they become teenagers and they start to prefer their friends to us. And I think that that's a, a first layer of like losing that, like as they are growing up, it's that first. And I just remember feeling obligated to switch off like a, f a weekend with friends and the next weekend I needed to be I needed to spend the weekend nights at home and while I appreciate quality time it kept somewhat of a closeness with my parents I felt like it was a little it was it was obligatory and I watched my friends lean into just they're friends and it made sense and I was the only person that did it like that and I don't know if I and it felt like an expectation of me to do that. And I just don't think I was able to fully walk away in the way that I think a 16 year old should walk away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear that. I mean, that choice is so important, you know, learning to learning to be able to choose in that way. Yeah. That would have, yeah. you know, I that probably obligatory thing really hit me and, you know, we've talked about that, but like, yeah. Yeah. I feel, I've, you know, you often choose your parents, you know, you choose, you come back to them, you know, always, but it just looks different. All right. Number 11, what do you want to replicate from your upbringing? So I've always talked about this, the Sundays and the, for me, the ability to have full self-expression, like, especially through what I wore and my art and like, I just, I just would put crazy stuff together and I just remember my parents appreciating it so much and dyeing my hair and piercing my own ears and all of those crazy things. I just felt like they, they loved it. Now they're artists and I was expressing in a creative way, but even if I did, no, even if I dressed preppy or some different, like they, they, I never felt like I couldn't express myself. Yeah. Um, you know, mine is a little interesting because it's, 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 could be seen as potentially a little in conflict with what I just shared about what would be different. 
But um, I think what I would replicate was I had some really good modeling from my parents. And, you know, they modeled their love of nature and the outdoors in what we did as a family in terms of like taking a lot of, you know, spending a lot of time outside and taking a lot of camping trips for family vacations and whatnot, as well as like modeling the sense of community and support for our community that that they gave. And so, you know, I think that modeling of of just quality characteristics and behaviors is something that I feel like my parents did for me and that I would want to replicate. Did you ever not care about those in the moment or f- like the with the camping were you ever like Ugh. Um it's funny with the camping no I was always tuned into that although I do remember um once my dad like he used to take us to uh, theater and symphonies. And there was one time, I forget what show was coming around. It was like Rent or something was coming. And and he was taking, he wanted to take my sister and I to go see Rent. And I was like, no, I want to hang out with my friends. And then looking back, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have went to the theater with them. You know, there were, there were opportunities that I missed out that um I that makes sense for a young developing brain and again to my point about like sometimes we just needed to choose our social lives right that's just that's a huge part of developmental growth and differentiation from your parents like learning who you are outside of your family which comes in very which it becomes very valuable when you're living on your own that's right I and then you get to have that regret and then you get to think about like you know how you want to how you want to prioritize yeah you learn exactly. you you learn from those um mistakes you know like there's a lot of uh there's some good thought out there about how regret is not actually we always see these like sense of regret is like uh, no regrets and um never regrets is this real negative thing but regrets can often be seen as really learning tools and 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 a function in a growing individual is learning how to say like I would do it differently the next time as a, 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 a healthy growth rather than a shame tactic. Yeah. I And I also don't think that yours is different than what you said before. Modeling is different, like modeling passions and commitments to things and modeling uh, like beautiful human values is different than obligatory love, obligatory love or no, what you were saying about like not being yeah well obligatory lover ob- obligatory appreciation of stuff or you know not being seen in those differences like yeah you loved camping but you also loved like heavy metal music and yeah. <laughs> and so you know but that wasn't necessarily valued or even recognized yeah like I you know so one other example like my dad really pushed me to play the violin which I did like and I enjoyed playing the violin growing up but like I also really wanted to play the guitar and why do you keep playing the violin? Um, well, because that's I'm I you know, I was I know how to play it more <laughs> than than the guitar, but like I at that time in my life I also really wanted to learn how to play the guitar and there was no support for that. Right. And I'm kinda of pushing you to let go of the violin. Oh. <laughs> Not in a way that you have to, but just to get permission giving. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Even though that would be a heartbreaker, but that's what we're talking about. Right. Differentiation. All right. 12. What are you unwilling to change or give up for our kids? Uh, Let me think. You know, one thing I'll think of is that, is that you, 
you say to Neo, like, I love you with all my heart and mama's my priority. <laughs> it's interesting, right? Yeah. I don't know if you'll keep saying that out loud, but like, I really appreciate that from the perspective of, well, you know, we're all, all alone in this world, but you and I are going to be companions as long as we live. Whereas Neo will become his own person or he is his own person, but he will then grow away from the family structure as it is. Whereas you and I will continue to live together as each other's partners and he will find friends, community, and maybe partnership that then becomes his family. So I, I appreciate keeping the priority between us as a unit raising these children to become themselves. Mm, That's beautiful. I love that. I couldn't think of anything else. I mean, I think one thing that I will never change is my love for the Kentucky Wildcat uh, sports teams. I don't care if Neo ends up at UNC Chapel Hill or he ends up at University of Wisconsin you know, are those the rivals? And and no, not. I mean, they're just other major. Isn't schools. Duke, Duke the rival? Duke is a major basketball rival of ours. Like, you know, University no, of really. Tennessee. Play, play, is, play it out. He goes to Duke. He goes to Duke. He becomes a huge Duke basketball fan. I would enjoy Duke basketball games with him as long as they were not playing Kentucky. Like, but, I don't have them. I don't bother, like, yeah, yeah. you know. But, I mean, it would always lead to them maybe winning. I mean, you're you're sensitive around. I get sensitive. I know. That's that's going to be a hard thing. Like, you know, we'll see. But, like, my – I don't have I, – I love sports. I don't have many strong, strong allegiances to teams I other think you're, than I think Kentucky. you're just going to lean right into Duke. I think no. you're just going to lean right into no. – You're like, no. never. Uh, although I would go if he got me tickets to go to Cameron Indoor. But that's their – um arena but yeah one thing i'm not going to give up is i mean there's lots of things i won't give up but like something that a kid makes you give up yeah time with my girlfriends i'm just not i'm not and rest <laughs> that's funny <laughs> a kid will not take away rest from me <laughs> meanwhile i'm over here looking like a haggard you i will say you we had a unique experience last night that neo woke up i mean like a force at 4 30 in the morning like what happened i still can't wrap my head around it i i don't know he's a he's a six at the earliest kind yeah, of guy if he wakes up he wakes up between the hours of like midnight and, and three right at but, max at four, but, but it has happened 4 30 and you give him a bottle or something that maybe he's like needing a little more food he's been eating a ton you give him a little more food or something and then you support him and going back down but you felt it from the bedroom you're oh, like i went in there up. and i mean he was like run to the door he didn't even want to be picked up he wasn't like usually when he's tired he's like all right let's go I, and I pick him up. He kind of snuggles into me and is like calm in the middle of the night when I get him. Like he's wake. He wakes up because he wants us there. And when we come, we are able to settle him back down. But last night he woke up and he was just like, "No, get off here! I don't want you to touch me. I want to get out of this room." What possessed wow. him? So you are asleep. <laughs> but that's not, but I mean but, that's just a hilarious statement though. My kids will not take away rest from me. I mean literally that if you asked any parent out there that is the number one thing that Well, he's didn't. already taken rest. He's already yeah. taken rest. I have to rush to bed. Yeah. Like that's not but a But you will that's continue not, to prioritize your rest. Yeah, I, I hear that. And and, and you that. and I have different needs. Yeah. Totally. 
I mean, we both have the need for rest, but like, <laughs> you know, different relationships yeah. to it. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. All right. That was fun. Bye. Bye. Love you. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.